In the first reading for today, the prophet Ezekiel serves as a watchman for the house of Israel. First reading is from Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn away from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely your transgressions and your sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to, say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteousness shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous, he shall surely live. Yet if he trust in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice he has done, he is, shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if you turn from your sin and does what is right and just and right, and if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just when it is that their own way that is not just. When the righteous turn from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from wickedness and does what is right, he shall live by this. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalmony for today comes from the 85th Psalm. Lord, you were favorable to your land, and you restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your peoples. You covered all their sins. Salah. You withdrew all your wrath, and you turned down from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, for our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let us hear from God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him 
that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. In our second reading for today, Paul uses images from Hebrew story and prophecy to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. He is our rock, our water, our food, our drink. Christ is the living sign of God's faithfulness. The second reading from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is the way of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told him this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit from it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? 
He answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of our Lord. Now all this starts got me thinking about things that matter and things that don't matter. Things that are presented as really important and then you find out that they weren't so important. So the work of the church, it's important. It's always important. Not everything in this world is. For the Kansas City fan Chiefs, if you're a Kansas, if you're a Kansas City uh, football team Chiefs fan, raise your hand. I want to see how many Chiefs fans we got. We got we, not very many. They had a great year, only a couple. Oh my gosh, I expected like half the room. Well, anyway, somewhere around December, getting close to December, November into the year 2013, um, the Kansas City was having a great year, as they a lot of times do, and they were coming into that season, postseason, having won the majority of their games, and they were really setting themselves up to, have, to, to, to win their side of it and go to the Super Bowl. However, they did have a challenge, and it came in the form of those crazy mountain people, the Denver Broncos, and they were going to swoop down and try to win. And so it was going to be a big, big game, because Denver was having a great season that year, as well as Kansas City. And so this game, in December 1st, 23rd, it was going to be like the game that then tells who's going to go on. So there they go, they're, they're coming in, and people are getting excited about the The place is sold out, there's a lot of buzz in the city for this, and this television show found out about a woman who was placing her wedding rings for sale in order to buy football tickets for her husband. Okay? Um, Mike and Mike, this morning show on ESPN, they were first on the radio like in 2000, but somewhere around 2004, 2006, they made it to television. And they started ESPN's um, news in the morning. They were the first show that started it all off, essentially. So Mike and Mike in the morning, Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick, these two Mikes. One was an NFL football player. Boy, he knew what he was talking about because he had been there. He'd done that. He was, a, he was a defensive tackle. I think when he started, he started off at Houston when they were the Oilers. And then from there, he was at Philadelphia, and then he played for Miami. So he had a good career in the NFL. And the other guy, Mike Greenberg, he just knew a lot about sports and he just knew. So they made a good combination of debate and banter between each other. So these guys found out about it in the show that a woman is going to sell her wedding bands so she can buy her husband something. Well, Mike Greenberg said, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, that a woman loves her husband so much in this, and it means so much that with this, this love and this goodness that she would, she would sell something that was treasured to her and dear to her to give her husband a gift on his birthday, his 40th birthday, that she would just do that out of such love. Well, Mike Golick thought, this is, this is crazy. What are you doing? What are you thinking, man? So they had the opposite side. Mike Golick said, that guy worked like a dog to make the money to buy that gold ring and all those diamonds, like $3,100 ring that she's trying to sell, right? He says, they worked hard, and that's the symbol of his love. When he takes his ring and he puts it onto her finger, he's saying, I love you, and I'm going to cherish you until my last breath. You are my wife. I will be, I'll put you before everything, before my children, before my family, before everything in this world, second to God, but first in front of this world. And this is my promise to you. And, I, and he puts it on her finger and she's to wear that promise. That's his love forever. And he's, she's going to sell that? What is she thinking? It, not only that, it costs a lot of money. I mean, it's a symbol of their marriage. It's a symbol. It, so they had this debate going on back and forth. And somewhere in this conversation, there's a phone call that comes through. Well, Mike Golick's wife calls 
And if you're the wife of a person on the radio, sometimes they'll give you a little more attention. You just, they won't filter you through. You might get to the second level in the third year. Well, he, she made it through all the levels, and she ends up hearing, they are hearing her voice talking on the telephone on the show. So here he is with his phone, and here she is on her phone someplace else, and they're having this conversation. She says, she's asking him, honey, is it true that this woman is going to sell her ring so she can buy this gift for her husband? He says, yeah, we think so. Well, you can't let that happen. You just can't let her do it. I mean, surely, Mike, you can call someone in your friends in these networks of your NFL buddies and you can find her some tickets so she doesn't have to do this. He says, honey, this is a big game. It's sold out. I mean, like, there's no space available right now. Well then, well, then, honey, let's buy her the tickets. Well, she says that. Everybody heard it. I was like, oh, geez, honey, thank you. How are you going to do with that? You're gonna, you, how are you going to walk that one back? Because your wife's saying, wow, let's do something for them. Her heart was compassionate as well. And so they kind of come up with this idea. We're going to buy some tickets. We'll do what it takes so that this woman can present these tickets to her husband on his 40th birthday in their chief stadium. They can watch this great game with the Broncos, right? So they're setting that up. Well, they, and somewhere in there, they take their television timeout. All the commercials roll, maybe one of the farmer's commercials. And then they finally come back and they, they announce, they said, everybody, we have been fooled. We have been deceived. We have been duped. The tickets or the, the rings that she was going to sell wasn't her husband's ring. It was her previous husband's rings. <laughs> Changes everything, right? It does. Her husband's delighted. That ring that she used to wear that said that she was another man's wife and all the things that they did together as husbands and wives and all the years they had together, I want that memory just to be erased from your head and scooted aside because I want you to wear my ring and think about me only, right? He wants the rings gone. She's given up $3,100 plus worth of beautiful white gold loaded with diamond rings for tickets that were worth about eight to 900 bucks. Basically, she's throwing her note at her ex-husband say, you're not even worth the reasons. I just want to get rid of it. No, oh, by the way, I'm going to treat my new husband a really good guy with, with this prize. And so it was kind of a, there's a, it gets a little bit sticky in there with this now twist of it wasn't her ring that was treasured. It was just something she wants to get rid of and he wants to get rid of. And that changed the whole conversation. It was a huge letdown. They were fooled. They were deceived. They had all these expectations about doing something good for somebody. And it turned out to be like that. Later on, pretty much next, they said, well, what are we going to do? We made a commitment that we're going to do this really beautiful charitable act. And 90% of the people that were calling in said, don't buy the tickets. Don't buy the tickets. But some of them said, gave the idea, well, you can give the money to Kansas City Charity. There's got to be some people in the city that need some help. So Mike and his wife... They gave eight, nine hundred dollars to one of the local charities. But the idea of that is being set up with something good, set up with something good, and it's twisted on you and it's taken away. That's what the evil one does all the time. He does it and he uses people in this world to communicate in this world. He uses the shiny things of this world, being manipulated world. The evil one is always trying to get us to go all in with our heart, our mind, our attention, our very best. And then after we have it and we've compromised him, oh, by the way, in the process, and then in the end, he twists it and we have absolutely nothing that we thought was valuable. There was a, one of our members brought an article about one of the richest people in the billionaire and he talked about his whole life and he's spending this. And at the end, it was like swapped Everything that had value in the end, had, he didn't have value in the beginning. 
It was like all the stuff he worked for, all the stuff he achieved, all the stuff he had, he thought was all this important. In the very end, on his last breath, the only thing that was mattering was the love of his friends and the love of his family and the hope of eternity with his God. The devil had duped him his entire life. And only at the very end, this very smart and this very successful guy got it. Well, Jesus in this stuff is trying to tell us, folks, I've been telling you this from the very beginning. Don't listen to the liars of the world because it's always going to end up where you're going to be disappointed. For three weeks, we're in the third Sunday of Lent. Week number one, we have Jesus going into the wilderness. Forty days he's fasting and praying. Forty days. And at the end of that, the devil shows up and thinks, wow, I got this because he's fully, he's fully a person, right? He's feeling all of our temptations. If he's hungry, we, he knows what we feel like when we're hungry. If he's sad from the woundedness of somebody because they've been mean to him or abandoned him or hurt him or just let him down, he knows what we feel when that happens to us, right? He has experienced everything, the highs and the lows, the joys and the sorrows of life because he is now one of us. He is fully son of God, fully son of man. And so the Satan knows his body's got to be hungry. So I'm going to tempt him. Oh yeah, Jesus, you're the son, if you are the son of God. So he's questioning his identity that he has value and he's the son of God. If you're son of God, turn this rock into bread. Jesus says, no, I'm going to live by my father's word. And he says, well then how about all this shiny stuff, all the stuff that we invest our lives into acquiring, 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 and that when we go to the dirt, it never goes with us. He says, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Man, you're going to have, you can have the finest of palaces, the finest of transportation, the best burros out there, the best horses and chariots, whatever it's going to be. You can have the best food delivered to you by the, most, the hottest woman, the face of the planet all day long. You can have all of this stuff, Jesus. Worship me. And Jesus says, no. I'm going to love my father first. I'm going to love you or this people second. And the last one, and then throw yourself down. Put it, put it, if, if you're really the son of God, show me. Show me you're the son of God. Jump off the heights of the temple. Let the angels carry you because it says that they're going to carry you and you won't get hurt. Jesus says, I don't put him to the test. Jesus loved his father first. He loved his people second. And he stayed true to his mission no matter what the world said. He was not deceived. He was not fooled. He went after the things that had eternal value. Well, then last week we had more temptation. So this thing about the season of Lent this year is how many times is Jesus going to get tempted and what's his response every time? The next temptation Jesus had last week was by, by the Pharisees. Oh, they're speaking on behalf of God now. They got Jesus' best interest in mind. Oh, please don't, Jesus, don't go to the city because Herod's going to want to kill you. That was such a... Satan's hand was all over that. One, Jesus wanted to go to Jerusalem. Two, he had to go to Jerusalem. It was his reason and purpose to go there so he could save us. But they were trying to deceive him. And Jesus said, no, you tell that fox. And he's actually telling them, I'm going to cast out the evil ones from anywhere, anywhere I'm about today. I'm going to heal people tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my course. I'm not going to stop. I will not change my ways or my course. I'm going to do this. And the cross is in my way. Temptations get behind me. Today, what was the temptation today? Temptation today was give up. Think about it. God has planted this vineyard. He's put his people on the earth. He's put his hedge around them. We have the hedge in the Old Testament scriptures. The hedge was like the word of God to protect them and keep them in the truth of heaven and heaven's ways. And then in there, he plants his vineyards, his people, and he puts a watchtower in it, which was the prophets of God to, to watch after the people and guide them and direct them and keep the, the walls safe and secure. And then in there was God that was blessing the entire thing with the abundance of all that nature could give to his vineyard. And now we have in that story of God's people a fig tree. It was brought up in the Bible. Says, why would you put a fig tree in the middle of the, uh, the, uh, of the, uh, the garden with all the um, grapes? Well, God did. 
Well, that victory is like the church, right? That victory is like these guys following Jesus for the last three years. And it's like we've been doing all this. Jesus has been healing and doing all these miracles for three years. And now he's looking back and he's saying, where's the fruit? Jerusalem's going to reject him. The people over here battering against him. The Pharisees want him killed and working with hair. I mean, you've got this whole system that no matter everything he's done with these people for three years, on this tree for three years, that in spite of all that effort, the tree is still fruitless. One of them, God says, well, let's cut it down. Jesus says, no, let's give him another chance. Let's give him another chance. My love's bigger. And I'm not just going to put manure. The manure on this, it was like his sweat from his efforts and the blood that fell from his body off the cross into the dirt. The dirt around this tree is Jesus's blood. He says, if I put that kind of nourishment into this project, surely they will love you, Father. Surely they will love us. Surely they will love each other and they will strive after the heaven's ways because they're going to see the lies of the deceiver who just wants to dupe them and deceive them and wreck them with their consumption and their agendas. They're going to see that and they're going to come home and they're going to stay home and they're going to be fruitful. They're going to do all this good stuff. Satan says they're not going to do it. He's trying to, he's trying to trick Jesus into giving up to quit. That when he would look at us, he wouldn't give us another chance for tomorrow and another chance for the next day. They'll just say, okay, cut him down. And Jesus says, no, I'll bleed on it. Now, you would think that would be an honor as the church to follow that kind of a God, right? You'd think it'd be a privilege and an opportunity to, get the, to, to follow Jesus, Right? You would think it. After all he's done, after all the truth he's displayed, that it would just be an honor and a privilege for us to follow our Lord wherever he says go, doing whatever he says to do, because that's the way of heaven. Isn't it a miracle, almost amazing, that Jesus would invite us to follow him? He knows us. He knows our motives. He knows the greeds they occupy. He knows our laziness. He knows our fears. He knows our excuses. He knows everything about us. He knows our motives. And still, he invites us to follow him, to follow his way. He's inviting us to let his blood take care of our errors. It's incredible that he would choose us, but he does. That he would look with such love at us that he would notice our needs and each one of us brings them differently, but he would notice our needs that he would, he would wear our flesh and our temptations in all of our life. And that he understands, he feels, and he thinks he knows us and he would still invite us to follow him. It's amazing that he would work so hard that he would serve and love with so little return. They didn't tell him. Thank you. One out of 10 leopards told him. Thank you. One out of 10. And it wasn't even one of the, the religious ones. Of all the things he did, there wasn't gratitude. His disciples weren't constantly saying, woo go Jesus, We're, you're our hero, thank you so much. There was like a silence. And when he enters that city, it's a silence except for, well, they cheered him on at first because they thought he was going to be our king. But then when they thought elsewhere, they said crucify. And between there's a silence. There's no gratitude in, in the people's lives. And still he calls them to follow. And that he'll still sacrifice in spite of them for all the world to see. It's hard to believe that he would choose us to follow him like that. But he did. 
and he continues to do so. Good news that we remember today as a church and uh, that Jesus chose to love me. He chose to love you. It's, 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 it's very personal. You specifically, Jesus chose to love you after everything we've done, and he will continue to do so. He wants us to follow his way, his truth, and his life, so we leave the ways of the liars and the deceivers and the empty promises, so we get to go to heaven in the, the really depth of gifts. He wants us to work with him. What a gift that is. He knows who we are. He knows our limitations. He knows everything about us. And still, he wants to work with us. He says, I know who you are. I know the limitations you bring. I know all the junk that's going on in your life. And still, follow me. Come with me. Help me on this project. Join me in this project. How amazing is this? That the Father would send his Son to be on a cross for you and me. They take the punishment for our sins, all our missed opportunities, all our failures. What love, what love that is to offer us that kind of grace and forgiveness. Not only offer grace today, but grace for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Because really at the end of the day, we look in the mirror, we're going to be the same people tomorrow and the same people the next day, the same struggles. He's with us for the life journey of this struggle. Now, with all that said in mind, people in northwest Arkansas, this chunk of the world where we live, Jesus is saying to us to tell them, love the Father. I believe that God's trying to tell us to say, through Jesus, says, love me. Love me. I'm your heavenly Father. Love my son, Jesus. Love me the way I love you. If you're tired of the mundane, gray, just wasted stuff, try loving me first. Make me most important in your life. I will not deceive you and I will not disappoint you. When you breathe your last and you come home, you will not be disappointed. It's going to light up more beautiful and golden than you've ever imagined. The stuff you call the most treasurable thing on earth, it's what we step on in heaven. It's pavers and they're made of gold. Your treasure is my pavement. It's going to be beautiful. You won't be disappointed. Put me before all other things in this world. They do not love you the way I do. Your husband and your wife does not love you like Jesus loves you. No one on this planet loves you more than Jesus loves you. And all the lies and the people around you that are trying to get you to spend your money on their stuff, they do not love you. They just want to consume you. They don't have your best interests in mind. You might have temporary satisfaction, it might be good for the moment. You might be good and happy for a little while. But in the end, they'll let you down. That story lets you down. And I believe that the people of this world, I really do. I believe this. If you want to know some things that your pastor believes, this is one of them. The people of this world need our Lord and Savior. I do. Tremendously. I mean, I'm just desperate. And I think the people around us need that too. They need him because he has stuff that only heaven can supply. We won't find it in this world. And I believe that the world needs people. I think the world needs people who put Jesus first. They need to see people who strive to put God first in their lives and how that reflects in the way they, they spend their time and how they spend their money, how they put their efforts and how they volunteer and what they just do with all the gifts that God's given. The world needs to see people who have put God first and are striving for love and forgiveness every day. 
And I believe that the Lord has called each one of us here for a blessed reason and purpose. This room is getting more and more diverse. For a while, it was all the refugees from the flaming ship that was someplace else. That day's over. We have a lot of people coming from a variety of places that don't know anything about the past that some came from. They all came from different places. And in this place, they're finding that God is providing all these beautiful resources. And the people coming in are human resources. He brought me in. I never saw a future in Northwest Arkansas, but God brought me here and he's brought you here. He's brought us from all these different places here as Emmanuel Lutheran Church for a reason and purpose. And he has absolutely empowered us with what we need. We have his word. We have his Holy Spirit. We have the gathering of more and more people to give us good thinking and creative ideas. If we need buildings, he'll provide buildings. If we need money, he's going to help us provide money. It just happens. God will work in the minds and the hearts of people, and it will be good. That's all God's work. Our job is just to to do our part. If we're willing, he's able kind of a thing. And all that points to what we're about as a church, what he came to show, that we would know Jesus. So we'd know our Father. We've seen Jesus. We've seen the Father. It's that kind of love. It's scary kind of love because it wants to draw you in, all of you. And you have to let go of the junk of the worlds and the lies of the rings that are being sold for tickets that will be forgotten as soon as the game's over to let go of all that shiny stuff and hold on to the thing that's true, Jesus. Know him. Not know about him. We don't need to get more smart sometimes. We don't need to know more details and historical facts. We don't need more theology. We need relationship with Jesus. Know Jesus. And then from there, it's a joyful thing. It just happens. You start talking about it. You start talking about the one who saves you and who loves you in spite of you and how free you can be. And it just happens. So know him and make him know. That's, that's the life and the reason of our church. It's always been that way. It's so simple. Let us declare our faith. We'll use, faith. we'll use the word of the Apostles' Creed. And we'll say these in parts. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Father. We give you thanks and praise for sending your son Jesus into this world to bear our sins and be our Savior. Under your watchful eye, we live as your children, protected from all dangers and guarded in heart and mind. Hear now the prayers we bring before your throne of grace. Hear us, O God. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your church, Emmanuel Lutheran. We give thanks for the family of believers here who offer and give of their time and talents to serve you. Hear us, O God. Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice today with those who are celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, or other joyful events. We give thanks for Barton Dennis as he joins the Emmanuel family of believers. Hear us, O God. 
healer of the broken, work mightily in the lives of all who experience hardships in their health and lives, including those we name now in our hearts. Bring them healing of body, heart, and mind according to your will. Help them find peace in knowing that your face is shining upon them. Hear us, O God. Blessed Savior, you designed your church to be the home for, of all people. Help us to follow your calling to live as your disciples, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. Help Emmanuel Lutheran be the hands and heart of Jesus in northwest Arkansas. Put the name and face of someone that needs you this week into our heart and mind. Help us to reach out to them in love. Hear us, O God. Lord, we thank and praise you for all your goodness. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray into your merciful care. We boldly offer these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.